Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Acts in chapter number 20. We're going to finish up Acts 20 this morning in our verse-by-verse walk through this book. And we're down to our last eight chapters or so here. We'll be done in the next three or four years, I guess. I'm not sure. We'll see how long these eight chapters take us. Acts chapter number 20. Last Sunday morning, at the beginning of his message in our church's 45th anniversary service, Pastor Tomlinson, he made an interesting statement, said something interesting as he began to preach. He said, For decades, I think, something that began either before he came to Liberty or while he was at Liberty, somewhere, every time he got ready to preach, before he preached, he would would sneak away somewhere and go to the Lord in prayer and say, God, now help me to preach the way you would want me to as if this were the last time I would ever preach. And he said, because someday it will be. Someday it will be my last message. One message will be my final message, he said. With that statement, he kind of gave us a little peek to let us know that he lives his life and approaches his ministry with his eyes on the finish line. Let me live today in a way that would be pleasing to you if the last time that I ever, the last day that I ever got to live. In some ways, he kind of gave us, and I I summarize in this statement, the, the truth of the matter for his life that the reality of death changes the way that I live. The reality of death changes the way that I live. Understanding that someday I may die, or not I may, I will die if the rapture doesn't come first, should change the way that we live. The reality of death changes the way that I live. Isn't that, isn't that what, uh, uh, what, what uh, in Titus, what the writer there tells us when he says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, because of the fact that my life will come to an end, it teaches us to live soberly, righteously, godly in this present world. The reality of death changes the way that I live. Someday it will be my farewell message. Could be today. Proverbs says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. One day will be my last day as a husband. One day will be my last day on earth as a dad. One day will be your last day at the job you work. One day will be my last as pastor of liberty. And often the reality of life is this, we don't know and we don't get to choose when that day, when those farewell days will be in our lives. When it's our last day as a husband or our last day as a dad or our last day at that job or our last day in that role in our lives. Sometimes we do get to know that and we plan retirement parties and we plan those things or maybe we're on a deathbed and we know that the end is coming. But, but not always. We don't always get to plan when those farewell days are. Pastor Jay, you sent me a text, I think, on Monday night. And you said, be in prayer, a, a family that we know from our previous church, uh, a, a young man, age 20, went to heaven from his Christian college dorm room in Pensacola, Florida this week at the age of 20. Your, your adult kids are all friends, Jason and Jenna and Jeremy, and saw them a month ago at college. They were getting ready to leave college and used to go over to his dorm room and, and talk with them and play video games and whatever and, and just do things that college students do. And, and they left a month ago having no idea 
that that was their farewell day, the last time they would get to see him on earth here, on this earth. This morning, we're going to look at, take a look at Paul's farewell message to the Ephesian elders as he's wrapping up his third missionary journey, and we're going to learn some things. It's the last time he's ever going to see these people that he loves so dearly. What does he say? And I want to bring a message this morning entitled, The Anatomy of a Farewell Speech. The anatomy of a farewell speech. What does he say when it's going to be the last time that he sees these people that he has given years of his life to in ministry? Would you read Acts 20, verse number 25 aloud with me? Acts 20, verse 25. Let's read that aloud. If you don't have a copy of God's word, there should be one in the pew rack in front of you. I'd encourage you to follow along. We're going to look at a good bit of scripture, probably 15 verses or so this morning. I'd like you to see it for yourself. Acts 20, verse 25. Ready? Begin. And now behold... I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. What does he say? I know this is the last time you're ever going to see me. And so here's what I want to share with you. Here's what I want to tell you. Here's what I want to share. And the last time we're ever going to talk together, the last time we have to understand that he's not going to be able to leave. He's getting ready. You've seen the map the last few weeks on his third missionary journey. He's on the boat heading back to Jerusalem. And then he's going to end up in Rome. He's never going to pass through here again in his life and ministry. And it seems as though the Holy Spirit has revealed that to him. He knows that what lies ahead of him is probably going to end up leading to his death. And uh, he's got some hard times ahead of him. And so he knows. I've been through here many times. I was with you for years, laboring, crying, praying, teaching, loving, eating, preaching, all of those things. We were together for years. This is it. And life was a little different then. It's not like he could say like we could now. Now call me when you get there. Text me when you get home. Hey, let's set it up. Every Saturday night, I'll, I'll FaceTime the church at Ephesus. They couldn't do it. He, whatever he doesn't say here, he's not going to be able to pick up a phone or jump on a computer and reach back out and say, oh, I meant to say this. And he shares some thoughts, some powerful thoughts that I think are good things for us to consider as we understand at some point we're going to be approaching our farewell days in different areas of life. In the book of Acts, we find eight messages given by the Apostle Paul to various groups of people. He gives, in the book of Acts, he preaches a message to lost Jews. He preaches the message to lost Gentiles. He preaches other times to church leaders. He preaches to a Jewish mob, to the Jewish council. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. He'll preach in the, the remaining part of Acts to various government officials. But this farewell address, this message of Paul's, is a little different because it reveals Paul the pastor rather than Paul the evangelist or Paul the defender of the faith. It's Paul speaking to a small group of spiritual leaders that had been raised up, trained up in Ephesus during his years of ministry there, and he's speaking to them. What did he focus on in that? Let's look at, go back to verse 17 where we were two Sunday mornings ago. Verse number 17, let's look and see what Paul said. In Acts 20, verse 17, the Bible says, And from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders, the leaders, the pastors of the church, and when they were come to him, and he said unto them, what does he say? You know from the first day, he's looking backwards, the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. And notice this, what he says, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you 
and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. What did Paul's farewell speech look like? If we were to maybe outline it, I would say, number one, it started with remembering the past. He, he calls them there, and he, he calls these Ephesian elders. He says, um, you'll re- recall when we read through here, he said, I can't go into Ephesus. I'm on the boat. I can't go all the way in because I'll just get overwhelmed with, with people that need my help, and i got to get to Jerusalem. So I can't go in, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to call some of the church leaders. And I want to share with them. I do want to give them a final message. And he looks back to the past. He starts by looking back. And what did Paul basically say? Paul basically said, I have no regrets in the way that I lived and in the way that I served among you. From the first day, I held back nothing. I gave everything. I, 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 blood, literally he says here, blood, sweat, and tears. Trials and temptations. What a testimony. He was able to look back at his season in Ephesus, which lasted for several years, probably the longest place he ever spent. This is the longest time he ever spent with a group of people. And he looked back with no regrets in the ways that he ministered and loved people and lifted up Christ. I don't know about you, but when I come to my farewell times, whether it be as a husband or a dad or a pastor or or another role in my life or maybe in life itself, in death, if I have the opportunity to look back at that season, I would love to be able, like Paul, to look back and say, I gave everything I had. Now, I I wasn't perfect, but I can say, and you know that I was real and I was sincere and I gave everything that I had. I wasn't a perfect husband and, and I wasn't a perfect dad, but I, I tried to give my best and I wasn't a perfect pastor. And all of us, of course, I understand, have some regrets or things we wish we could do differently. But Paul here basically looks back and says, as I remember the past, I, I remember it with joy. By the way, that wasn't true. Paul couldn't always say that. That wasn't true of every, that every group would remember Paul with fond memories. It wasn't true. His life was not without regrets. There were Christians who never got to see their loved ones alive again because Paul authorized their murder, their assassination, their martyrdom. But while Paul may have done some things he regretted, he didn't wallow in that shame and condemnation over the past. What did he do? He said, I can't change what I did with those groups of people, but now that I'm in Ephesus, I'm gonna try to to give everything I've got here. And he looks back, and with this group, he can look back and say, I tried to do everything I could to help and not hurt or harm you. What What a great reminder as Paul looks at his farewell address Paul, because of the fact that he didn't allow his past, analyzing his past to paralyze his future, he didn't wallow in shame and condemnation over the past. What did he do? He chose to do all that he could with the time that he had. And because of that, he left behind many groups of people all through Europe and Asia whose lives were eternally better because of his involvement in their lives. May I say this? The way you are living today is how you will be remembered by some tomorrow. We look at and say, man, I'd love to get to a farewell address or a farewell season of some sort and look back with joy. We decide that today. The way you and I are living today is how we will be remembered by some tomorrow. And let me just throw this in again here because all of us have mistakes and all of us have regrets and all of us have heartaches and things we wish were a little different in our past. And Satan loves to use those in our own flesh to beat us up and say, you can't do anything for the future because of what you've done in the past. 
You're of no good to anybody today because you handled that relationship poorly, because you made that wrong decision, because you got involved in that sinful activity there. You're of no good today. Aren't you glad the Apostle Paul didn't buy into that lie? Aren't you, aren't, don't you think the Ephesian Christians are glad that Paul didn't let a season that he wished were a little different in his life keep him from living the way that he should and investing and loving and, and preaching and teaching? Don't let, the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Don't let Satan hold your past over your head to make you think you can do nothing today or tomorrow because of something you've done yesterday. What did Paul say himself when he said, when he thinks about the past, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth into those things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to let my past condemn me so that I can do nothing for God today or tomorrow. But here we see as Paul looked back at his past, he did so with joy. You can't control how you lived yesterday. You can't guarantee how you'll live tomorrow. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. Thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You can't control how you lived yesterday. You can't change it. You can't guarantee how you'll live tomorrow. You can only change how you live today. When your farewell time comes, will you be able to say something to what Paul, similar to what Paul said here in this passage as you remember the past? And then two words change the scene of his speech and anatomy of a farewell address. Look at these next two words of verse 22. Would you read the first two words of verse 22 aloud? Ready? Begin. And now, and now, he's moving from the past to the what, church? To the present, and he's going to embrace the present. Look at verse 22. You want to know how to get to the end of our journey with joy? There he remembers the past with joy, then he embraces the present. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit's leading me. He's telling me I need to go to Jerusalem. Look what he says. Not knowing the things that shall befall me there. I don't know all that's planned for me. But here's an interesting verse, verse 23. Save, that word just means accept, that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bond and afflictions abide me. Paul says, I'm, I'm doing what God's called me to do. I'm going where God's called me to go. I don't know all that he has planned. I don't know all the people that will be helped. I don't know. I, don't, I can't tell you what the future holds, but what I can tell you is it holds pain and it holds hurt and I'm bonds and afflictions abide me. By the way, he wasn't wrong. He's going to get there. He's going to get imprisoned in Rome. He's going to be in prison for a while. He's going to get lied about. He's going to stand before government officials. We'll see all of that in the coming weeks and months. But here's what he said. I love verse number 24. Would you look at it in your Bible? Read it aloud with me, if you will. Verse 24, ready, begin. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself. Why? So that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. What did Paul say? I don't know all what God's plan has for me. I know it's not all gonna be easy, but I embrace it. But none of these things, what things? Bonds and afflictions, tears, pain, hurt, persecutions. None of these things move me that I might finish my course with joy. By the way, if you're going to get to the end with joy, you're going to have to determine no matter what comes in the present, none of these things move me. The difficulties, the uncertainties, health news, financial, relational, family, spiritual, national, political, whatever things. I don't know what the future holds. Somebody was talking to me this morning about some of the things going on in our nation. Here's what I do know the Bible said. But this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. 
things will wax worse and worse, the Bible says. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days when the, son of the coming of the Son of Man. Here's what I do know. It's, it's in a lot of ways, in a sin-cursed world, it's not going to get easier. But none of these things move me. God, whatever you have for me today, I embrace. I embrace where you've placed me. I embrace what you've given me. I embrace the life you've called me to. If you're going to finish your course with joy, you're going to have to live your life with joy. You don't, you don't come to the end and, and be remembered and look back at a wonderful journey if you hated and criticized and, and, and complained about every step of the journey. It's not possible. You're not going to come to the end and say, I had such a great life surrounded by people that love you. He was such a wonderful man. She was such a wonderful lady. M made such an impact in my life. You don't, get the, you don't get to joy over here unless you live with joy here, 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 and here. That's what he said. I'm following God's leading. It's not going to be easy, but none of these things move me. Neither count on my life dear unto myself. What's moving you? Getting you off track. Consuming your thoughts and your actions. Paul didn't have regrets with his past with the Ephesian Christians, and he was determined not to have regrets regarding God's present for him. And then the end of the chapter, the final portion of his farewell address. Look at verse 28, if you will. Let's read verses 28 through the end. Follow along, please. Take heed, therefore. So he, he tells them, I'm leaving, and I, I'm going to go, and I'm gonna, this is what God has for me. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Remember, he's talking to pastors, to spiritual leaders. To feed the church of God, it's his church, not ours, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing, as I leave, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. And of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, because that's true, watch, keep your eyes open, and remember. Remember what I taught you. Remember the gospel I showed you. Remember the word of God I, I, I instructed you in. That by the space of three years, I cease not to warn every one of you night and day with tears. Night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Here's what he says in verse 33. I've coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. I didn't come in here trying to get rich off of you. I, I supported myself so that nobody could say I was doing this for filthy lucre's sake. Look at verse 34. Yea, ye yourselves know how that these hands have ministered unto my necessities. I, I made tents so, to pay my way. And to them that were with me, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak, to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, what did Jesus say at the end of verse 35? Church aloud, ready, begin. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. You get the picture? This group that loves him dearly, that he's invested in night and day with tears, they're falling on his neck, they're sobbing, they're crying, kissing him on the cheek, they kneel down, don't go, I, I, can't, I can't imagine not being able to see you ever again. And if you've ever said goodbye to a loved one, you may know a little bit about what they felt there. And they walk him to the ship, and I, I get the picture, they're on the shore, and as Paul leaves, they're standing there. Grandparents, you ever do that when the grandkids are leaving, and you're in the airport, and you, one more look right there at the house, they're driving away, and they're honking, and you're waving, and they leave. And what do I see, the final part of Paul's farewell address? I see him preparing them 
for the future. He remembered the past, he embraced the present, and he was preparing them for the future. What does he say? He gives them a warning. Ephesian Christians, if you're gonna finish well, you're gonna need to be on guard. It's not gonna be easy to get to the end of your race with joy. You're gonna have to be aware there will be attacks from without. Didn't he say that in verse 29? For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. There, There are going to be some false teachers that are gonna come in and try to steal your heart. May I just stop and say this? We have an abundance, more uh, Christian, if you will, or spiritual, or religious content than any generation has ever had. We have access to more of that than any generation in history. You could listen to a thousand sermons today on, your, on the internet, on a podcast, and, and books, and I'm thankful for much of it. But let me just say this, just because somebody claims to be a Christian or claims to be speaking from the Bible, be like the Bereans, go back to the word of God to see whether these things be so. Don't, but there are false teachers out there that look to, to, to lead people astray. And he says, you're gonna, Ephesian Christians, if you're gonna finish well, I'm, never, I'm not gonna see you anymore. You need to watch and remember. You gotta keep your eyes open, see what's happening among those around you, and remember what I taught you, and stay with the word of God. Don't give in to man's opinions, man's ideas, man's philosophies. You've got to be aware there will be attacks from without. But then he says, you've gotta prepare. If you're gonna make it to the end, you gotta be aware there's gonna be some attacks from within. Verse 30, of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Satan loves to use disunity and discord to destroy God's work. Satan loves to use disunity and discord to destroy God's work. And he said, you've got to be careful, Ephesian elders, within There will be some that will try, and you're going to have to watch and remember you are caring for the flock of God that he purchased with his own blood. My brother-in-law, he posted on social media, he was giving some Bible verses, and, 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 he, and I like the statement that he said this week. He said, unity is not the cry of compromisers, it's the command of Scripture. And I understand that unity where there is no, no doctrine divides us. Unity at the, at the expense of doctrine is compromise. But unity with those that would believe with us doctrinally on the, on, the, on the fundamentals of our faith, unity with them is not the cry of a compromiser. It's the command of Scripture. God wants the church to be striving together for the sake of the gospel. He wants the church in beautiful unity. He doesn't want a splinter because when we can get a splintered uh, family that's all fighting over stupid things, guess what? Our witness will not be what it should be. And we will not finish our course with joy. What does he tell them in verse 32? How do you keep that unity? He says God's, God and his word are enough to keep you no matter what attacks come. Look at verse 32. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. He says if you're gonna finish, you gotta be aware you're gonna have to make it through some attacks from without, some attacks from within. And then he tells them this, if you're gonna finish with with joy, he gives them an admonition not to withhold. An admonition not to withhold. Do you see it there in verse 35? I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. If you and I, want to have a good farewell address, whether we get to give it or somebody gives it for us because we, we go pass on unexpectedly. If you and I want to have a good farewell address whenever our time comes, we're going to have to learn to give and serve and live for others. A person wrapped up in themselves, it's been said, makes a very small package. 
You and I are going to have to live, learn that the true joy of living comes in giving, in serving, in helping, in seeing someone in need. He said, you know, I did not, I did not get into this thing for how I could get money or silver or apparel. I wasn't trying to get stuff from you. I, in fact, I worked a second job because his priority was preaching the gospel. I was a bivocational preacher, Paul said. I worked a second job to make sure my needs were met so that nobody could come in and, and try to tell you, don't listen to that guy, he just wants your money. I did that, and here's what I showed you. You need to live the same way. Don't live for yourself, live for others. Live to give, live to serve. His farewell address, don't withhold what God has given to you. Be generous, be, 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 be thankful for what God's given, and then learn that it's more blessed to give than to receive. The things we think are so important to amass here on earth really aren't going to matter when it comes time for our farewell address. There was a rich man who was quite distressed over the prospect of not being able to take his riches with him when he died. As has been said by preachers for, for a very long time, you've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. And then I saw someone on Facebook put a picture of a U-Haul behind a hearse, and there goes that. They put a meme up there. But, but the idea of when you get there, this stuff doesn't matter when you come to the end. And this guy didn't like that. He was, he was really worried and distressed that he couldn't take it. So before he died, he loaded his briefcase with two gold bars from his private vault and left instructions to his family to have the case locked with a key, handcuffed to his wrist, and then the key placed in his grave clothes. His family carried out his orders correctly to the letter, and he died, and of course they had the services. And when he appeared at the pearly gates, he had the briefcase with him, key in hand. St. Peter asked him, he said, what do you have in your suitcase? And very proudly, the man unlocked the suitcase and opened it and showed him two gold bars. To which Peter replied, isn't that special? You've brought pavement. <laughs> the stuff that seems so valuable here today in eternity will be of no value. Won't matter. The Bible calls it wood, hay, and stubble. It will burn, but the gold, silver, precious stones, the things that we do for others and the things that we do for God, those are the things that cannot be taken away. And Paul goes and teaches them here, what matters is not what we amass, but who we help with what we have. Thou shalt not covet, it's the last of the 10 commandments, but may I suggest this? If you don't follow that one, it's very likely you'll break a lot of the other nine. People will lie, cheat, steal, murder to get what they want. Our lives, whenever they may end, I, I like to think that they'll end like Paul's time with them did in 36 through 38, a godly sorrow. I heard, I think it was my father-in-law has said before, I, I want my family to weep over my death, not over my life. I want them to be sad that I left, not that I brought them heartache while I lived. May people weep over our death and not over our lives. Verses 36 to 38, they, they weep there because of their love. And may I just say as we close that our farewell address is coming. How will we look back on our past? We control that today because today will become our past. How are we embracing our present? How will our lives prepare our loved ones for their future? Paul was thankful for his past. He remembered the past. He was realistic about his present. It's not gonna be easy, but it's gonna be joyful. I've determined that no matter what happens, I'm gonna serve the Lord with joy. And he was faith-filled about the future. 
It's not going to be easy. Attacks from within, attacks from without. Watch and remember. I commend you to God. He, he, God and his word are enough to keep you through those trials. And then don't withhold. Be generous. Don't, don't keep it all in. What a great pattern to follow. Church family this morning, let's learn from Paul and seek to live like him so that whenever our farewell comes, and most of us have different farewells, different seasons, we say goodbye to a loved one. We say goodbye to a job. We might retire from a career. We might move to another place. But when those farewell times come, I pray that those we had the privilege to know will weep for the love they have for us and will continue to live in the ways that we've tried to show them. Paul remembered the past, embraced the present, and he prepared them for the future. He said, the stuff I've given you, not me, but God and his word, his power, can keep you through whatever you face. All of our farewell addresses are coming. We determine how we live today and tomorrow and this week and next month, what that looks like when we shall see one another's faces no more. May I just say this before we go to prayer, if you're here today and when your time comes that you'll see our faces no more, if you don't know for sure that if you were to die that you would go to heaven, God sent his only begotten son to die for you. It's what Paul taught the Ephesian Christians so that you could have your sins forgiven and you could know that heaven is your home. If you don't know that this morning, would you let today be the day of your salvation? Let somebody open God's word and show you because that is where the greatest joy comes when our farewell time comes is knowing we'll spend eternity, all eternity with God in heaven. That doesn't come through our good works. That doesn't come through our generosity. That only comes through the good news that Jesus Christ died in your place for you and for me to pay for our sins. Let today be the day of your salvation. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.